Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 155. I am Dave Bryan from SteedersDepot.com. And joining me once again with Alex Kazora, still on vacation the rest of this week, uh, sitting in for him again today are Josh Carney and Jonathan Hightritter, who were on the Tuesday show with me. And we've got a couple of things, interesting topics to, uh, to talk about in this show. Uh, so with that, uh, greetings, Josh and Jonathan. Thanks for joining me again. Thank you for having us back on. Certainly appreciate it. Good to be back as always. I love talking Steelers football and I love talking it with you guys. Let's get after it. Yeah, let's get after it here. Okay, uh, we'll start with kind of the obvious kind of newsy news stuff. And most of it I covered during the uh, Wednesday solo show, uh, dedicated a whole 30 minutes to talking about the Steelers signing Alex Heisman to a four-year uh, extension, went over a lot of the what what you know the preliminary numbers in that now we are a little uh, uh full disclosure here we're just we, we are recording this Thursday uh evening here and as of right now the official structure and numbers and layout of the Highsmith contract have still not come in hopefully hopefully Friday morning or Friday afternoon uh, maybe you know the we'll have those numbers and all but I I think I gave a pretty good outline of overall what to expect uh, with that deal, the way the structure is cap charges and all like that. So, uh, we won't spend a lot of time talking about the actual deal here at the top of the show, but, uh, uh, initial thoughts on, uh, on the extension for Highsmith, uh, and Josh, I'll start with you. Yeah, I love it. I know that, uh, this was expected. And once again, Dave, you are a wizard. Uh, you, you kind of nailed this back in what was that March or April? Uh, you wrote that preliminary, um, contract projection between 15 and what was it? 17.25 million. And sure enough, it's, it's right in there. Um, but no, I, I, I love this deal for Alex Highsmith. It's one that he certainly deserves. Uh, he is the classic Steelers story of, you know, a player development guy, a guy that they got in a draft, uh, you know, sat for a year, worked his way up into a starting role and, and seized upon his opportunity. And uh, I'm very happy. He's going to be a Steeler opposite TJ Watt for the next four years. I think when healthy, those two are, a very formidable duo, and uh, it's very clear that the Steelers are, are, are building around that defensive front, and uh, they get a young piece that still seems to be ascending. So I have no qualms with this deal. This is a guy uh, who last year really seemed to come into his own uh, as a run defender and as a pass rusher. He has a deep pass rush arsenal. Uh, I think you'll see that week after week when you watch the All-22, some of the moves that he hits. Uh, he's just he's a, a fun player, and he feels like that next – generation of, of you know key stealers on and off the field so no surprise that this got done very happy it got done when it got done because we don't have to worry about any silly hold-in stories uh moving forward uh 
Yeah, absolutely. Kudos to Omar Khan once again for, for, for getting this done, you know, ahead of training camp. So that way we're not talking about any kind of a hold in and wondering how long this is going to take. Uh, uh, it seems like now, obviously last year they, uh, they had Deontay and that, that ran into training camp. I think uh, Boswell a little bit into training, training camp as well too, but those, those kind of got done at the early stages there. Uh, it, it seems like if Omar has his druthers and can get it done uh, now, uh, this seems to be, in other words, it doesn't seem like a one-off kind of situation. Now that this seems like it's going to be the trend moving forward to do everything they can do, uh, to get these extension, uh, candidates done before they get to training camp. Uh, Jonathan, you know, you obviously, you know, been, been connected to the site and this situation for quite a while as well, too. I would imagine you weren't overly surprised whatsoever, uh, when this news broke. No, definitely not. And in the words of Mike Tomlin, it's kind of football justice in a way. And Alex Kazora wrote a little bit of a story while he was on a staycation or vacation about, uh, you know, his payday being a true success story for Alex Highsmith, starting out as a zero uh, star recruit, being a walk on at Charlotte. And just like not only the player that he became, but also the person that he became, you know, his dad's very interactive on Twitter and things like that. And you just see like the player in the family, that aspect that he has. He's just a class act and everything that he does the way he was going to OTAs mini camp and everyone's asking always oh, going to just kind of do like a hold in or anything like that and no he went in he did his work the same way he did when he was in high school when he went to Charlotte and then when he got to the NFL and that's something that the Steelers love to reward in terms of players that come in do the due diligence that they need to do the work and be able to continue to develop like Alex Highsmith did while doing it with a smile on their face and you know Omar Khan did the great the right thing in terms of making sure to reward him and making him like tied for 10th in terms of pass rushers or outside linebacker or, you know, edge defender uh, being paid in the NFL. And that's the cool thing when you also think about Alex Highsmith's progression, like how he started out behind Bud Dupree and TJ Watt as a rookie. Then he was a starter in his second year, got six sacks, and then how he blew up for 14 and a half sacks and five force fumbles last year. And now going into this next year, you look at his progression and how last year his sacks kind of came in waves or bunches. Like he would have multiple two or three sack games, but then there'd be points in time where he would be quiet. So I think the next progression for him is not only continue to working on his arsenal, becoming stronger with his bull rush, but also just being more consistent as like a sack artist on a game to game basis, kind of like what we've seen with TJ Watt. And you can say that he's continually on the ascend because look at his time in college. He played out of position as a 3-4 defensive end for a majority of his time at Charlotte. And then he finally blew up his final season when they actually played him as like an outside linebacker, defensive end, outside pass rusher. So if you think about it, he's only really played that position now going on four total seasons. So as he continues to develop and continues to get more exposure and more experience, that means, you know, the sky's only the limit for him. And having a guy like that opposite of Watt, offenses are going to have to be scared and have to plan for that on a weekly basis when they play Pittsburgh. Yeah. I tell you, he's the poster boy now that uh, you make sure everybody in the organization, once you draft a kid or an undrafted free agent, you, uh, you make sure they know the Alex Highsmith story. I can remember clear as day talking to Tom Mead about him uh, ahead of the, uh, what was it? Uh, the, 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 the shrine bowl, right? Uh, yes, it was yeah. uh, that year, and you know, and and Jonathan, you hit on it. I mean, this is a guy that really you know moved moved all around uh, at Charlotte because of necessity uh, as far as position goes, and then 
you know, you get to the, the, the shrine game and, you know, he's, he's got the kind of the measurables and anyway, you know, he, he was instantly on Tom Meade's radar. Uh, obviously fast forward, the Steelers drafted him that year. Uh, you know, he got his feet wet, obviously the rookie season behind Bud Dupree and, you know, kind of the rest is history and, and just a, a good around all, all around kid. And once again, just the kind of things that, uh, you want to make sure that you broadcast throughout the organization, this guy's story, uh, you know, kind of rags to riches really. And now, you know, you're talking about, you know, over $70 million he's scheduled to earn from, uh, 2023 to, to, uh, through 2027 there. Uh, and uh, Jonathan, you jumped ahead there and, and, and I don't, I don't blame you, but, uh, uh, Josh, what are, what are some of the things now that he has this deal now? What are you looking for? Uh, because what's happened has happened now. You've gotten paid. Uh, what are you looking for out of, out of Alex Heisman moving forward? Uh, I think Jonathan nailed it. It's that consistency. I know, you know, last year without TJ Watt, uh, you know, depending on where you look, he had three and a half or four sacks. And, you know, I kind of broke that down. And, you know, without Watt over a 17-game season with some of those numbers, he was on a – you know, eight and a half to 10 sack pace, which is, which is decent, but there were, there were some games where he certainly disappeared and he wasn't alone. Uh, you know, the Buffalo game and the, the Eagles game, those two stand out as his quietest games. So he's got to find consistency, uh, especially when the opponent level is very high. Uh, I think obviously it helps when, when TJ Watt is opposite him and he has one-on-one looks, um, you know, alongside Cameron Hayward, but, uh, consistency is the big thing with him moving forward. He's got to be able to to step up uh, when injuries occur around him and still carry that high level of play he has when the front seven is fully healthy. Now, that's really the only thing for me. Uh, you know, you could have some some gripes about some run defense at times. I think he can be a little over aggressive at times and get you know sucked inside and give up the edge. Uh, we saw that a few times last year where he kind of um, you know jumped inside there trying to make a play and and you know teams beat him around the corner. Uh, but outside of that, it's just it's really that consistency as a pass rusher. He needs to be able to stack strong week after strong week. Um, you know, big games are going to happen, but you can't go through that period where, you know, it's two or three games and you've only got a few quarterback hits, a few pressures and no sacks. You're paid like a, a top pass rusher now. I think he's inside the top 10 or right on the fringe uh, at, at the edge position. So he's got to find that consistency that a lot of those guys in that same uh, category as him have week to week. Yeah, look, you know, pressure rate uh, probably needs to improve some uh, for sure. But uh, once again, uh, you know, if people stay healthy on 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 that defensive front this year and and if Larry Ogunjobi ends up uh, reverting back to uh, end of 2020 or, you know, 2021, uh, Larry Ogunjobi. And if Cam continues to do his thing and obviously uh, you have Watt up front, we'll see who play, you know, at some point you're probably going to get Keanu Benton on the field. But uh, that front, when healthy, should end up with uh, uh, Alex Highsmith with a lot of one-on-ones with some left tackles, right? You know, so uh, going to be interesting to see with all the attention that Watt's likely to get and and obviously guys like Hayward and, you know, we'll see what uh, Ogan Joby can bring. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of prime uh, situations, I think, here where, where Alex will go against some left tackles. And, you know, you would, you would obviously think, too, another year in the system here, another, another offseason to prepare and all like that, uh, probably build 
you know, uh, his pass pass rush game up even more, some more counters. But that spin move, man, uh, you know that that's reminiscent of some 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 Dwight Freeney stuff in there. And I thought the speed, the power got a little bit better last year. You want to see that take the next step. Obviously, you want him to see him take the next step as a run defender. But but he's you know the trajectory's there and has been there, and you just want mm-hmm. it to go up one month one more level on that trajectory ladder uh, this season. Yeah, you know, you you hit it right on the head. He's going to have a lot of one-on-one matchups. You look back at that Saints game. Uh, I think he won was it a- AFC Defensive Player of the Week that uh, that game. That was Watts' return to the lineup and the first time that the Steelers were really fully healthy up front. And he had two and a half, three sacks. Uh, I think he had a forced fumble. You know, that's the high Smith that you're you're paying and hoping to get when everybody's healthy. Uh, you you mentioned the spin move. I think it's one of the better ones in the game. His ghost rush has been really impressive just the the ability to you know kind of hit that dip quickly and have these uh, offensive tackles basically punching on air he just has a deep pass rush arsenal and it's really impressive to see this guy who who went from a walk-on to what he is now and that's a testament to the work that he's put in and uh, you mentioned too the speed to power I I think he's definitely uh, it's helped him playing across from TJ Watt because you can see him kind of Pushing the the you know the needle just a little bit on where he lines up pre-snap, where he's almost in the the neutral zone, and he he takes advantage of that speed and he has a good get off as well. So I definitely think the arrow is pointing up, and uh, you know I'm glad, like I said earlier, I'm glad he's going to be a Steeler for the next four years. Okay, you knew it was coming. Uh, you know, a you knew the deal was coming. Uh, B you knew what was probably going to come after the deal got done, and that's the narrative that's been circ narrative the last couple of days that's been circulating. Well, okay. That's all fine and good. They got, uh, Alex Highsmith done, but look at how much money, uh, this team is spending on a defensive side of football, uh, versus the offensive side. Uh, Colin Coward tried to take, uh, that narrative and, 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 and take a run at, and, and obviously got it circulating out there, uh, this morning, uh, Thursday morning on his show there. Uh, you know, he tried to compare the Steelers to the Chiefs and the Chiefs, the way they do business and and how they're attacking the offensive side of football with the spending and how, you know, they just let, you know, other than basically they tried to say, he tried to say other than Chris Jones, they just, you know, draft them or get them cheap and, and, and win games that way. Well, that, that all sounds fine and good in, in theory there, but uh, remember you got Patrick Mahomes over there. Uh, and obviously that's a very expensive contract. Uh, just a few, few years ago was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, still obviously up there, uh, on the list as well too. And you got a guy over there tight end named Travis Kelsey, who, you know, depending on who you ask, even though he's, I think the top three paid, uh, tight end in the NFL right now, uh, arguably the best tight end, uh, in the league, at least from a, uh, receiving, uh, well, really, uh, you know, uh, up there all around as well, too. Not the blocker, obviously, that a uh, George Kittle is, but uh, he makes up for it for what he gives you in the passing game. And when you have those two players under contract at expensive con uh, on expensive contracts, yeah, most of your money is going to be spent on the offensive side of the football. And yeah, you're going to be in a lot of games uh, because of that. So uh, what do you, what? 
and I'm going to try, I'm going to try my best to try to play the devil's advocate here because, you know, uh, other, other than the three of us just railing on what he had to say, but, uh, I'll start with you, Josh, you know, what, what was your, what was your initial, what would be your initial fire back to Colin Coward or all these other people that are disgruntled about, uh, the spending that the Steelers have done on the defensive side of football versus the offensive side? Well, I would ask them to actually look at the the cost breakdowns. I mean, they have a quarterback on a rookie deal. So, I mean, there's a, a significant hit right there on who you're going to pay. Um, you know, that's really the difference there. I think the Chiefs offense is roughly like 160, 170 million total. And I think the Steelers is around 100 million or so. Like the big difference is Mahomes is making, you know, 50 million a year or whatever it is. That That's the difference there. You know, they have a quarterback who's won multiple Super Bowls and is, you know, highly compensated. And, and Kenny Pickett isn't there yet. And he's still on a rookie deal. Uh, but I, the pushback for me is you look at the Steelers roster currently and even over the last few years when they've become such a high paid defense, where else were you going to spend the money? I, I mean, you weren't going to lock up guys offensively long-term. You know, they weren't going to give Juju Smith-Schuster a long-term deal. Um, you know, James Conner wasn't going to get a long-term deal. If you just look at that offense, who was getting the long-term deal that was going to take that money away from the defense? And, and it's not like guys on offense aren't paid. I think they've invested, you know, around $100 million in the offensive line in the last few off-seasons with, you know, Chukwuma Okorafor, James Daniels, Mason Cole, Isaac Sayamalu. You know, I, Deontay Johnson got a big deal. Guys on offense, though, uh, Najee Harris has a deal coming up or, or will be looking for a new deal eventually. Kenny Pickett, like I mentioned, is on a rookie deal. George Pickens is on a rookie deal. Where where were you spending the money offensively? You know, you can't, you can't get on an, a, a team for spending money on the defensive side of the football when a lot of their best players and some of the best players in the league at their position reside on that side of the ball. So that would be my initial pushback. And I'm, I'm sure Jonathan has more thoughts on it that we can get into because he wrote the article up. But I, it just it feels like Colin Coward kind of changes his opinion on this team and their outlook day after day, because I think it was earlier in the offseason. He picked them to, to win the AFC North and he loves the roster and everything. But, you know, now they hand out a big money deal to a pass rusher and it's oh, I don't like that philosophy. They're spending too much defensively. Yeah, and I think even on 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 in that segment on you know Thursday morning, there you said he likes the roster, likes the coaching staff, stacked roster. I think yeah, was, I th- was 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 even what he said uh, there. And look, the Steelers right now, even if they wanted to pay Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, or Pat Fryermuth right now, this moment they can't because of the CBA rules. Those guys have got to play three right. years before you can, you can even extend their contract. So, uh, and they did spend money these last two off seasons, uh, on, you know, on the offensive line. And, uh, before I say more about this, you know, Jonathan, can, can this whole, uh, uh, spending thing, or at least the, the, the narrative, uh, that, that Colin Coward, uh, has, has tried to run without there on Thursday morning. Can you just boil th- this thing down to one team has a franchise quarterback and the other one's trying to develop a franchise quarterback? 
Yeah, kind of basically. I mean, I, I wrote in the article at one time, you know, Patrick Mahomes was a rookie on a deal. And then at that point, you know, not only did they had Chris Jones, but they had guys like uh, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, all of which were top earners at their respective positions at like safety edge, defensive line. Like they had a lot of high paid guys on the defensive side of the ball. But once Mahomes got that contract, they could no longer afford guys like Matthew. And then eventually Frank Clark didn't produce. So they parted ways with him. But you look at the, the team that they have around Mahomes. Yes, Mahomes. Holmes covers up a lot of weaknesses. So that's where they can afford to go ahead and invest little money or draft picks or whatever on the defensive side of the football and this be able to build up this wall around Mahomes because they did pay him $450 million to be able to be their franchise quarterback. Whereas with the Steelers, like they got done with Ben Roethlisberger. We finally got that contract off of our books. So that's where we can go ahead and afford to play defensive players like Highsmith, like Minka Fitzpatrick, and be able to pair them up with TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward to be able to have a strong, stingy defense as we have one of the youngest, if not possibly the youngest offense in the entire NFL. Like when you have Kenny Pickett only making like what, two, two and a half million dollars technically this year. And Najee Harris is you're like, you're technically your highest like skill position guy that's been drafted recently at 3.5 million or whatever. They paid Deontay Johnson like good money. They paid Isaac Sayamalu and James Daniels good money. And it's not Pittsburgh's fault that they were able to get those guys for $8 million of annual like you know, annual earnings for those guards rather than giving Joe Tooney, like what, 17, 18, whatever he got per year. Like it's not Pittsburgh's fault that they're going about this way because ultimately they're just working with the cards they've been dealt. They decided to build through the draft with quarterback, with running back, with wide receiver, with tight end. Eventually those guys will have to come up and like Pat Frymuth. I mean, he's going to be one of the higher paid tight ends in football when you have to pay him. We'll see what happens with the whole Najee Harris contract. We'll see if George Pickens gets to that point eventually in his career. Can he pick it's going to be demanding a decent amount of money if he is ends up being Pittsburgh's franchise quarterback. Ultimately, and I concluded in the article, like ultimately it's going to come down to Mahomes will be in his 30s, Travis Kelsey will be long retired, and then that's when the Steelers are going to be running with that narrative of being a current team, paying their offensive players, and then that would basically shove everything back into Colin Cowherd's mouth. So, and the moment in time, yeah, you can go ahead and run with that narrative, but that narrative is always constantly changing in today's NFL. I think the moment in time phrase that you just used right there is something that obviously he didn't take into account either because you know uh, I bet I bet Colin Coward couldn't explain uh, the three-year uh, periods in the CBA where teams have have to spend at least 90 percent of the of the of the three-year total running total mm-hmm. in that three-year span of the salary cap in cash you have to there's no way around it all right so uh do you want to spend uh more than 90 uh do you want to say how much more than let's say a hundred percent of the cap in three year in a three-year span do you want to spend that's all fine and good you you can have a goal to go out there and try to spend well above the hundred percent of the cap uh, over a three-year period, but there are there's going to be uh, this thing called the salary cap that keeps you uh, with it. You know, in other words, this isn't a baseball situation where you can be the Yankees and just go out and buy whatever you want because there are back-end limitations related to the cap, but especially on a three-year period like that, and that's why it's set up so you just can't go out there and buy uh, three consecutive you know, championships per se, uh, because of it there. And when you look at the Steelers, they're obviously at the end of this three, three year period, which ends this year, they're going to be 
probably slightly over 100% in spending in cash versus a cap. And being as how they have to spend that money on uh, something, who are they going to spend it on? And if you reverse engineer this thing all the way back, you know, obviously, uh, last year was the second year of the two-year period. They drafted uh, uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, you go back three years in this thing. They drafted uh, Najee Harris. They drafted Pat Firemuth. Uh, within that, those guys, once again, they can't pay those guys right now, even if they wanted uh, to within that. So you're leaving out a big part of the conversation when you don't talk about teams building over a three-year uh, CBA cycle when it comes to cash and cap, and especially when you're talking about a team that is moved on from their franchise quarterback, such as the Steelers are, and are trying to now build around a franchise quarterback and get him to become a franchise quarterback as soon as possible. I was thinking in my head, okay, how can I how can I be the bad cop in this uh, uh, and and somewhat try to support? Colin Coward's side there. And I started running through my head. Well, let's go back and 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 re-engineer uh some of the drafts starting, you know, back in 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 2021. And then I started doing that in my head. I said, well, wait a minute there. He he's talking about cash. He's not, you know, if you if even if you change up the draft of the players uh going all the way back to, to, to 2021, you're still going to be in a in, in the same situation, whereas where do you spend the cash on uh, other than what you have, at, uh, you know, the way that they have on a defensive side of football? First, there's no way in hell they weren't going to pay T.J. Watt. There right, was, right. There was no way in hell they weren't going to pay uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. All right. So and, and all those deals have gotten done within this time frame. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. So the only other thing I could think of that. Okay, uh, you know, you, you do to maybe flip this thing the way Colin Coward wants it to go is who was the tackle that the Chiefs signed that was the highest paid tackle? Uh, 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 Jawan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So maybe this offseason, instead of drafting a tackle, you go out there and you would obviously have to top the money that he got, right? Uh, and make it attractive to come to your organization instead of the Chiefs. So maybe you spend, you go over the top in free agency and, and you buy a left tackle and spend cash there. All right, well, that cash has got to, got to come from somewhere uh, this offseason. So what does that mean? You probably don't re-sign, let's say, Larry Ogunjobi, and let's say you you uh, it prevents you from going out there and spending the cash on a Patrick Peterson. All right. Well, there's two uh, pieces of your of your defense gone or that you that you wouldn't have this offseason in lieu of a starting left tackle. Now, if you had if you went out and bought uh, uh, Juwan uh, for, for, for that money, would that have been enough to put this team in a in a oh, this team's going to compete for a Super Bowl? No, I, I don't I don't think so. Um... You know, it feels like a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of scenario. Like, I mean, you you have those two pieces on defense that are going to be key roles for you. But let's say they pay that left tackle. Does that I don't think that puts them over the top. And I don't think that that's the right spending 
you know, for this team? Does does a, ta- a left tackle or actually I think Jawan Taylor is going to play right tackle is he? Uh, okay. in Kansas City. So, yeah, because I think Kansas City signed uh, Donovan Smith to, I think, one year, $10 million deal or something like that. I mean, is a tackle really moving the needle as, as far as, you know, offensive payment structure and all that goes? I, I don't think so. I think – this, I mean, I mean it, it, okay, let, it would help, but I mean, is that going to be right. a, is, is that the piece to put you over the top uh, for the cash? You know, it would satisfy, it would help satisfy Colin Coward's argument as far as mm-hmm. spending more cash. But is that in and of itself going to help in 2023 uh, be the difference in this team? Uh, the outlook and them right now, as we we speak, uh, even as clean of an off season as they have had, you know, it's hard to find them anywhere other than than uh, like you know predictions do uh, you know the long odds to finish last or you know to finish in the bottom of the division is a tackle spent going out and buying the best tackle in free agency this off season. Would that be enough to change the whole and flip the odds and everything? Not through the Steelers, no. No. I, I don't think so. And it cost it would you know it would cost you on the flip side. You know, people just think that this is monopoly money and all like that. The, that the cap isn't real, but cash spending and the cap matter. All right. Who who else on the offensive side of the football, you know, who would you let's say Colin Coward went to Mike Tomlin and, and Omar Khan with he has the secret. <laughs> he 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 has the secret to winning, and it's spending cash on the offensive side of football. That's the magic bean for all of it. Uh, and they got to him before the start of free agency. Where else would they have spent the cash at? Uh, and where would it have cost them? Hypothetically, maybe receiver. You know, the the one name that. I know this is going to get taken so far out of context the context with the people listening, but the only receiver that comes to mind, big money, that maybe would change that narrative if they paid Odell Beckham Jr., you know, would that have would that have put them over the top? You know, go and spend money on a big-time playmaker for your young quarterback on a cheap deal. But at the same time, is that what that offense needed? Two, two high-end, bald-dominant receivers to kind of, in a sense, block George Pickens from getting more targets. I, I don't think the Steelers could have done this any other way. I mean, they were smart with their moves. Uh, they they certainly felt good about the tackle class in the draft. They they went out and got their guys in free agency and Samalu and Herbig on very affordable deals to shore up the interior. And, you know, they got the Rams to eat, what was it, $5 million of the $10 million owed to, to Allen Robinson for swapping seventh round picks. I mean, I think they invested enough in their offense. It's just, there wasn't those, those high end splashy deals that, you know, talking heads like Colin Coward like, but again, I, I really think it's that damned. If you do damned, if you don't, I mean, look the color, the killer B era, how much money was spent on offense there compared to defense. And all the talk was, Oh, the Steelers don't have a defense. <laughs> They've got to build up the defense. Well, uh, you know, and, and, you know, looking forward, okay, let's say you pay Pat Fryermuth. So you're going to have a tight end making, what, north of $10 million ballpark just early right. on. Then what if they pay Najee Harris? Then people are upset that they paid a running back in a, you know, in a fungible market. I mean, it's a, it's a lose-lose scenario for them. You know, they, they spend money offensively and the defense falls apart. And then that's the reason they can't win. And you go back to their identity, 
when they won the Super Bowls in, in the 2000s. It was a great defense, full of stars, a good running game, and a, a quarterback on a relatively cheap deal. Obviously, the first one in 05 was a rookie deal uh, with, with a, a run game. So that I think they're trying to to find that again. And, and will it succeed? We'll see. Uh, but I have no no issues with how they have spent the money. And I, there is no magic formula that says, you know, Super Bowl winning teams spend X on offense and, and X on defense. And it comes out to this magical, even balance. And that's what gets you to, you know, championships. Yeah, you pay and, the players. Right. And, and you know, uh, jumping back on it, too. If, if you would have paid a couple more offensive players this year in free agency, then you're probably not paying Alex Highsmith. And, boy, you're going to have an upset Alex Highsmith this summer. Uh Going, uh, going into the final year of his contract, making two point seven to what, whatever it was, two point seven million uh, this year. And I know everybody's listening, and said, "Well, they, you know, he signed his rookie contract. It is what it is." But I mean, you're setting the wrong precedent moving forward. That okay, you guys can have uh, you know develop first your, each of your first three seasons there, and there's going to run a chance that we don't pay you going into your final season, and then you have to worry about possibly wearing a franchise tag, you know, all like that. So, uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've tried to I've tried to bad cop this as best as possible uh, to, but you know, there, there is no way that even going back to, like you said, you know, in, 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 in 2005, remember they had already paid that defense quite a bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because they, that's where they, that's where they had the ability to spend the money on. So they spent the money on, on, on that defense. Now, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a storybook season, right? You know, getting in the playoffs, but, but once again, get in the tournament, anything can happen. And that something happened in 2005. Now you fast forward into, uh, on, on, into 2008, you know, your defense was getting, you know, uh, for the most part had been paid at that time, right? You were starting Mm -hmm. to spend money on the offensive side of football, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's theoretically, I think kind of the situation that the Steelers are in now is this is kind of 2005, uh, for them at, 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 at this point, you know, they're spending the money on a defensive side of the ball, trying to keep that, knowing that they're going to keep those stars lined, uh, lined up for the next couple of years. And in the meantime, hopefully, uh, Kenny, Kenny and, and, and the rest of those, you know, because they've obviously built through the draft these last, you know, three years here, uh, the, the goal or their goal is is to fast track this now uh, beginning in 2023. Maybe they can do enough this year and have the defense uh, uh, good enough where the defense keeps them in ball games. The offense plays better and, and wins, you know, a couple of those close games this year. You get into the tournament and then you try to do a repeat of 2005. But within that, as long as Kenny Pickett makes a nice enough jump, regardless of what happens in, in, in 2023, you would like to think that enough would have happened with his progression at, at that point and the other young players on offense that the Super Bowl window officially opens uh, in 2024, right? 
Yeah. And honestly, when you look at it, it's all about roster construction. Omar Khan is doing the best job possible with it. Cause I'm just going through like over the cap and like the deals that were signed this off season. Like would you as the Pittsburgh Steelers rather have a guy like Isaac Sayamala for $8 million a season or a guy like Penn, Ben Powers who signed with the Broncos for almost $13 million a season. Like Isaac Sayamala is probably one of the more steady guards in football and is probably recognized as probably a more consistent, better overall guard than Ben powers and Omar Khan got him for nearly $5 million per season less. Or in the case of draft trading up to draft Broderick Jones in the first round, you could use get a rookie left tackle on a rookie deal, or you could go ahead and spend $17.5 million a season on Mike McGlinchey or potentially $20 million a season on Jawan Taylor. So you look at it and you see all these positions, quarterback on a rookie deal. You see like a wide receiver on a rookie deal. You see tight end on a rookie deal. You see left tackle on a rookie deal. It's like, Ultimately, you're doing a great job in terms of managing your costs and you're investing in premium positions, especially on the offensive side of the football. And say Kenny Pickett pops off next season, say Broderick Jones wins the job and shines down the stretch. Say you have a guy like Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens, say they both push in 900 or 1,000 receiving yards. Colin Coward's going to turn around and then if they get to the playoffs, make a push in the AFC, he's going to turn around and be like, the Pittsburgh Steelers are such a brilliant franchise for getting all these good like people on cost effect deals and then it's going to completely flip the whole narrative so ultimately like omar khan is doing this right he's getting good young talented players at cost value currently and managing those costs and recognizing because he's managing those costs he can invest and try and build an elite defense now if you want to go back and look at the steelers you know uh you know the the the, the three or four years prior uh you know, to, to, to Ben's final season. If you want to look at those and say, yeah, but look, they spent all that money on the offensive side of football and what they have to show for it. Sure. That should, should there be at least one more Lombardi trophy, uh, 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 at the facility at this point, uh, from, from, you know, prior, prior to, uh, 2020. Yeah, there probably should be. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll listen to that argument that, that they didn't do enough with what they had uh, in, in, in those later years, but guess what? You know, AB's gone. Le'Veon Bell's gone. Uh, that whole line pouncing, all, all of that's gone now, you know, and, and, you know, as much as, uh, you know, franchise quarterbacks just don't grow on trees as we've seen across the NFL, you bought a lottery ticket on Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, and, and now you're trying to develop that lottery ticket into, uh, uh, parlaying that into a Super Bowl window opening for not just one year or two years. You know, if you have made these right selections, not only with Pickett, uh, but the skill positions around him. And if you've made these right decisions in free agency these last couple of years, then you're talking about that Super Bowl window potentially being open. For as long as Kenny Pickett plays, because it, especially if he becomes one of the top five, six, seven quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Because you're not winning nothing without a quarterback, right? Absolutely, and and I think that the the thing that I come back with with Coward's comments, and I will say this: I appreciate him saying I find myself aligning with the Chiefs and the style of play that they have, you know, and that's why I think that I I agree with their. Uh, the way that they're building. So I appreciate him saying I'm biased towards this. This is why I feel this way. But like, there's no right or wrong way to win in the NFL financially or stylistically, but you have to have a quarterback. It's, it's that simple. Um, you can look back the last decade or so. I mean, 
when's the last time a team won a Super Bowl with a non-franchise quarterback or even reached the Super Bowl with a non-franchise quarterback? You know, the you, you think, have you, to you go, go you you can talk about the foals a little bit, I guess. A little bit, yeah. yeah. You know, uh that, but I mean yeah, that that's really it. That's the only yeah. one that comes to mind, but even then that team was built around you know, Carson Wentz, and he was having an MVP season, and then Foles just got hot in the playoffs. I mean, again, get into the tournament, see what happens. You know, that's that's the thing. But you've got to have a franchise quarterback in, in, in this league, and if you don't have one, you, you better have a guy, you know, in the system that you think can be one. And uh, when that time comes to pay him, you're going to have to pay him. And I, I just find it very strange to be criticizing the Steelers for paying guys that they hit on in the draft or via trade, um, regardless of what side of the football they're on. I mean, if they're not keeping their best players and they're constantly just cycling through draft picks and, and, and all that, it, it, it hurts the culture and it hurts the, the ability to build year after year. So I, I just find it very weird that, you know, granted the NFL is an offensive game nowadays. I just find it very weird though, that, the Steelers have become the, the the poster team, you know, quote unquote, doing it the wrong way and paying defense in an offensive league. Yeah, and I think I circle this back as we close out this conversation on 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 you know coward and all like that is, is you know the point that Jonathan made a point and you know he's taking a point in time here, whereas he really should be looking this uh, uh, at this over the last you know, include, you know, the, the, the three year part of the cycle there versus cash versus cap. And obviously, you know, second year, you know, starting back in the first year of it being 2021, uh, the drafting of, of the young players in Najee and Fryermuth, and obviously Pickett the year after that. Uh, and, you know, uh, still spending money on the offensive side of football, on the offensive line, whereas starting to spend and spending the mega bucks of people that really deserve it on a defensive side of football. Him not taking into account the 90 you know, 90% uh, rule and, and the cash spending and how teams have got to spend the cash on something. I just, it, 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 it and I told people on Twitter, I was going to try to take, you know, be the bad cop as best I could, but it was still going to be a flimsy argument. And, and I, I think I have shown it that I haven't put up a very good fight to support his side of it. It's just really, really silly overall. And, you know, if you understand the business of the NFL and how things work, then, you, you, you hopefully you see right through that. Uh, Mike Florio said something very interesting in his conversation on 93.7, the fan uh, day before yesterday, uh, something along the lines of, you know, all 32 teams go into the season saying that uh, they, they think they have built enough and done enough to win the Super Bowl that year, but that the Steelers are probably the only team that honestly believes uh, that. Uh, I, I've said that to Alex, you know, and, and, and Alex and I have had these had, had the same conversation. I honestly believe that. I I believe that every year, Mike, or uh, you know, last couple, at least you know, Colbert on into Omar Khan, that they honestly believe every offseason that they have done everything within their power to give them a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. Do you agree or disagree? I agree, and I think a lot of that, you know, in the last decade or so was largely propped up by having, again, that franchise quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. But I think – Now, should, have, should, they, should they have won in, in, in the late 
teens, you know, yes. sh- should there be at least another Super Bowl trophy in 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 in, in the cupboard right now? Uh, I think, yeah, a hundred percent. I think twenty seventeen was that year, and then Shazier gets hurt, and again, that defense was so thin <laughs> because all that money was spent on the offense, and next thing you know. Blake Bortles is dropping 45 points at, at Heinz Field. Um, but, yeah, I think that the Steelers truly believe that. And um, I, I think in the last two offseasons, they have every every right uh, to, to believe that, especially this offseason. You know, I think that they were impressed with what Kenny Pickett showed down the stretch in the second half, not only Pickett, but the offense. And, um, you know, they they – as Jonathan said, they had some very good bargain signings in free agency that I don't want that to sound like a negative connotation. These are very good players that they landed um, for very affordable deals. Uh, and I, I think that they believe they have addressed every hole on the roster as best as they can. And they have a championship caliber team to hit the field. Jonathan, what does any kind of a run into the playoffs? Because look, you, you, the way to me, the way you're going to measure this season is can they a can they get back in the playoffs, and more importantly, uh, they they've got to get at least one playoff win. If you don't do that, then this it's going to be deemed, you know, in my opinion, an unsuccessful season. But what what will what will this see 2023 season look like for? such a scenario to play out for this team to make the playoffs and win at least one playoff game and maybe more. Well, they got to be, again, you're paying your defense. So your defense has to be absolutely dominant. I mean, you have to have everyone stay healthy, you know, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, Mink Fitzpatrick, all those guys stay healthy and they got to return to that team that leads the league in sacks and just puts relentless pressure on opposing offenses. They have to be able to generate turnovers and not only turnovers and takeaways, but be able to do kind of like what the 2002 Bucks team was known for in terms of taking a couple of those turnovers and taking them, making them touchdowns. So they really need to dominate on that side of the ball in terms of making sure things stay they keep a lid on things defensively so other teams don't try and outscore them. And then offensively, obviously they need to embrace that bully ball run mentality and they have frankly the offensive line to do it now that they, as they built it up, they have the running back in Najee Harris and a good second back in Jalen Warren in order to establish that presence in the ground game. But frankly, again, like we've always been pointing to, it's all on Kenny Pickett. Can Kenny Pickett make this offense a well-rounded offense that can beat you on the ground as well as through the air? Can this team attack the middle of the field? Can this team attack teams down the field vertically? Can this team be able to get in the red zone and finish drives, not only just with field goals, but with touchdowns? They have all the weapons to do it. They have the receivers. They have the tight ends. They have everything that they need. Can they have it where they successfully put points on the board? We're going to see if Kenny Pickett's up for the challenge. We're going to see if Matt Canada can kindly finally bring this offense to fruition. But that's what you need to see. And frankly, I'm more excited to see what this passing game looks like. Because based off of everything, if the offensive line stays healthy and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren do what they're supposed to do. This should be a good running game based off of what we saw last year. And then you add guys like Isaac Sayamalu and Project Jones. But when you have the weaponry that Pickett has, like it's a, probably an underrated overall skill position room when you have guys like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin III. You have Pat Fryermuth. You have Darnell Washington. You have Connor Hayward. You have a lot of weapons at your disposal and a lot of guys that can beat you a lot of different ways. They need to be able to beat teams through the air, not in the last 
drive of the game like they had against the Raiders and the Ravens, but consistently through four quarters, be able to drive down the field and put the ball in the end zone for touchdowns. Okay, let's say their defense is what it's supposed to be, and that should probably be a top five defense across the board. Uh, top, Top six, maybe at worst. Uh, there against the run in the pass. Uh, can they win enough games with Kenny Pickett throwing 17 to 20 touchdown passes? Is it doable if your defense is a top five, six defense in the NFL? Josh? Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%, I think so, especially with the style of play that they want to do on offense. They're going to lean on that run defense, what we think it can be. Uh, move forward this takes a step you're, forward you're and bounce, builds off that second you're bouncing in and out a little bit there josh i don't know if you got oh, a dead dead nope. area of the house sorry no um i definitely think they're they're capable uh of winning a lot of games with picket throwing just 17 to 20 touchdowns that's just the style of play that they want to play I, I don't think it's going to ask him uh to do more than that and if the defense is what we think it is that's it's a winning formula all right uh Let's move. Uh, obviously, training camp gets underway uh, next week. And, man, next Friday, Alex and I will be doing the first uh, training camp uh, nighttime uh, podcast and all. Uh, we will obviously have you guys on, bef- I think, before the start of the season to get your thoughts on the way the season's uh, uh, shaping up, predictions and all like that. But prior to training camp getting underway, uh, each of you – you know, give me like three or four key things you're looking maybe to learn in training camp uh, this year and three or four players that you're very uh, intrigued about seeing. And, you know, not, you know, obviously Kenny Pickett's going to be one of those for the obvious reasons and, and some of these rookies and all, but uh, kind of off of the main path, uh, who are some of those guys you're really interested to see in training camp? And and tell me a couple of the things that you're really looking to learn overall in training camp. I'll start with Jonathan on this. Yeah. So one of the guys and like kind of the, one of the big topics that I'm really looking forward to with the training camp is the state of Pittsburgh's, uh, you know, when they go nickel or dime in their state of the slot defender, what they're going to do there. Uh, they've talked to, they've obviously have added Patrick Peterson coming in with Levi Voss, drafted Joey Porter Jr. You figure those are like their top three options on the outside. Now, does Peterson kick into the slot? Like they've mentioned, he's moved around or do they have it where they keep still one of those other guys? off the field and they roll with either say you know uh shannon sullivan uh you know a duke dawson and elijah riley uh so honestly the guy that i'm like interested to see who like contributes in that way during the preseason as well as in training camp is shannon sullivan because you know based off of pro football focus is like advanced analytics uh last season with the vikings like he did not look good he did not look good in terms of his coverage ability uh but I also like to take that in terms of frame of context, just because the Vikings defense overall struggled mightily last year. Um, and then you look at what he did when he was with the Green Bay Packers. And I've consulted a lot of other Packers fans that I've talked to. Uh, and they said, you know what? He was a very underrated player for us in our secondary. Obviously, we have guys like, you know, Adrian Amos was there. They had, you know, Jair Alexander. But Shannon Sullivan was kind of that unsung guy that, you know, came in and made plays. So are you going to get more of a Shannon Sullivan that, you know, made splash during his time in Green Bay or Shannon Sullivan that, you know, 
had really bad moments last year with the Vikings and didn't really add a lot of whole splash plays to that. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's experienced. He's a willing tackler. He's made plays in the past, in the passing game. Um, I think that he is a cheaper version of what you could possibly get, you know, still out there. I wrote about, you know, Bryce Callahan and other options that are out there, but he is younger, kind of fitting that mold of what Steelers want to do on the defensive side of the football with free agents. So I think that Omar Khan and the rest of the front office and the coaching staff are going to be looking at him and just being like, okay, can this guy be that quality slot defender for for us? You know, depending if we're going to be putting Peterson in there in certain situations or not. But Shannon Sullivan is one guy that I am very intrigued to see and see if he can kind of play up to that billing as being a starting slot player or if he's a guy that's more like what happened last year with the Vikings and it's just like yeah this guy is more of a rotational or backup kind of guy yeah uh who 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 else Josh who else are you looking forward uh to to seeing and and what kind of overview Uh, I think for me the one guy I really want to see at least early on, you know, we've heard a lot of great reports about Allen Robinson and how he's looked in OTAs and minicamp. Uh, I want to see him up close in person, see how he's moving compared to how he looked in the last few years. Um, you know, like I said, the, the reports early on have been very high on him. Uh, I want to see how he looks now that he's had some more time to digest the playbook and develop that rapport, uh, you know, with, with Kenny Pickett. But outside of that, I, I kind of want to see just overview how this offense looks uh, in year three under Canada. I don't think we're going to see uh, truly what this offense looks like early on in camp as they, you know, they install a lot of stuff and, and kind of hit the ground, um, you know, at a slow pace to get everybody going again. But I, I want to see if they utilize the middle of the field more, uh, you know, I want to see the types of routes that Deontay Johnson is running, see if George Pickens has a little bit more of a refined route tree uh, and I want to see how this left side of the line looks, whether it's Dan Moore and, and Isaac Sayamalu or Broderick Jones and Isaac Sayamalu. I want to see what they do with Nate Herbig. Uh, so I, I've got my eyes on the offense. I think even with the amount of new faces defensively, I know what style they want to play. I know, you know, I feel like I know what style they want to play. I feel like I know, you know, what looks they're going to get defenses and, and what they're going to ask some guys to do. But the offense just feels really unknown. Um, and I, I, I want to see what some of those guys look like, uh, in another year under Canada. And I really want to see if, um, those early reports on Robinson are true, or if they were just the guys kind of seeing things, you know, through, through rose colored glasses and, and seeing a, a, a big name wide receiver three, uh, on the field for the first time in a while for the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously Calvin Austin finally getting on the field back in uh, training camp again will be fun to see and how, how they utilize him. The thing with, uh, Allen Robinson is, you know, never been a big yards after the catch guy. So maybe he can do a little bit more than what he's done in the past, uh, there. Uh, and, you know, obviously you want to see as you, as kind of you both, mentioned their uh, use of the middle of the field a lot more uh, get the and as Alex and I have talked several times we, we've got to see the yards after the catch go up on this team uh, this year no no matter how that happens you know and and normally that's going to come by getting the football to guys out in space and the ability to run you'd like to think that uh, Kitty Pickett will have a little bit more autonomy uh, you know not only in 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 you know, game planning, but uh, just, you know, things he likes on offense and willing to expand on as well. How much of that will actually 
uh, you know, Alex and, and, and whenever, you know, Josh, you're going to go a time or two, you know, we'll actually see, uh, and obviously things during the, you know, preseason, uh, it's going to be a lot more vanilla. I don't think we're going to, the, the, the takeaways usually that I get, uh, coming out of preseason games is just individual play, uh, more than anything, uh, when it comes to that, uh, any other, you know, kind of fringe roster players that, uh, you're thinking, um, you know, maybe this guy can surprise and jump on the roster. I I keep coming back to Armand Watts. I think he's going to make the roster. So I don't think it's a jump onto the roster, but you know, in the last week or so, I've kind of just been going back and watching some of his bears tape and I've been intrigued uh, by some of the stuff he can do. And I'm kind of curious to see how they view him. You know, he can play, you know, some of that, he can play some nose tackle. He can be that three, four defensive end. He has, he he's shown a little bit as that sub package pass rusher at times uh, in his time with, I think Minnesota and Chicago. So uh, I'm curious to see how they deploy him and, and, you know, if he is that guy that's next in line behind a Larry Ogunjobi and a, and a Cam Hayward is that rotational piece. So um, I think he's got some intriguing tape and I'm interested to see what his role is early on in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jonathan, any other, uh, you know, kind of fringe guy that you think, ah, you know, I've, I've, I, I'm, I'm more bullish on this guy than, you know, maybe Dave and Alex are, or, or Josh is that, that I'm, re- I'm really interested to see, you know, through training camp in the preseason. Uh, some guys that kind of come to mind for me are the linebackers behind the projected starters in terms of Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts. When you have guys like Tanner Muse and then, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, I believe that's how you say it, uh, just being added here this offseason. And yeah, Muse is more of that special teams ace kind of guy that you add just be able to make up for the loss of special teamers that they've had this offseason. But then, you know, Kwiatkowski's actually had a lot of starting experience, you know, last with his like uh, tenure with the Bears, as well as with his time with the Raiders as well, too. He was with the Falcons last year, but really didn't play a whole lot. So is he kind of more of this guy that you're going to be able to have out there as like, you know, your linebacker three or is Mark Robinson kind of have that role or is he just more of this you know depth kind of guy but the tapes out there he's kind of very similar to that Robert Spillane uh, player that played a lot for Pittsburgh just because he was consistent he was steady he wasn't the best athlete in the world but he came in and he made plays and I see Nick Kukowski is a very similar type of player ultimately we'll kind of see how this linebacker room shapes out uh shakes out I mean it's not giving me a whole lot of confidence and it kind of seems like you know uh, same uh, process, but just a different group of players. But I think Kukowski is kind of a guy that's kind of being uh, uh, kind of forgotten around with, you know, the other names of Holcomb, Roberts, Mark Robinson. And I think he's a guy that, you know, could probably ma- end up making the roster and not only making the roster, but making a solid contribution on defense. You know, uh, Alex is uh, very bullish on, Mark Robinson. Uh, I obviously, from what I saw, I like what I saw last year, but I think people forget that, you know, he only played what in four games and 
what was it, 40-something uh, defensive snaps in total. And two of those four games were the final two games of the season. Obviously, he made waves last year uh, during during the preseason and all like that. Uh, I guess where I, and I wrote him up just recently on the uh, on my 90-30 on my to 30 series. This is going to be a bit blasphemous overall to ask this question, I think, especially to most of uh, the listeners because, I mean, he's, he's a highly liked guy. A lot of people think uh, that, you know, the, the Steelers potentially have a gem uh, in him and they, they might possibly have. To me, the, the books, I mean, I, I've got to see more on Mark Robinson yet, uh, personally. Uh, and where I'm coming from that's going to make this so blasphemous is, is there any chance whatsoever that Mark Robinson does not make this 53-man roster? I think there's a chance. I think it's a very, very low chance. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about a, a former seventh-round pick who only played like a, you know, between 40 and 50 defensive snaps last year, still has a lot of developing to do. Uh, you know, I, that Ter- second Ter- – Terrell Austin didn't sound very bullish on him during the right. offseason. And, and, that- and, that, and that's only – look, that's only, you know, one sound clip. You, you know, probably uh, there might have been a message in there for, you know, just not wanting the kid to get, mm-hmm. you know, uh, full of himself and and yada, yada. And once again, I you know, look, I, I don't hate the kid. I mean, I, from what we've seen so far – uh, especially going back to last preseason, there were things that, to, to like, but we're, we are talking about a kid here that was a converted running back, you know, uh, into linebackers last season at, 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 at Ole Miss comes into the NFL, uh, only dresses for four games, uh, uh, Two of them at the end of the season. They only played 44 defensive snaps in total uh, there. Heck, we don't even really know what. I mean, we think he's going to be a good, at worst, going to be a very good special teamer. But he only played 16 special team snaps last year uh, for this team. Uh, Jonathan is, yeah, look, and don't. Don't give me an answer, you know, to, to you guys know better to try to pacify me or whatnot. I mean, is there any threat of him not making this roster? I think you just look at it in the development side of things just because he is so raw because, I mean, he's played very minimal snaps as a rookie. He was only a one-year player at Ole Miss at linebacker because he was previously a running back before that. And for me, I kind of look at, like his role, like he kind of gives off that, you know, Vince Williams thumper type of role, which is good because Pittsburgh needs, you know, those guys that can come downhill, play against the run. And he did that against, you know, the Ravens and the Browns. But if he's not able to continue to develop in terms of his instincts and you see those instincts slow uh, during the preseason, as well as being able to show that he can be an adequate in coverage. I think, you know, he can be as aggressive as he wants to. He can be a bull in a china shop if he wants to, but if his instincts aren't there, if he's not, if he's a complete liability in coverage, then, and you have guys like Kukowski, Tanner Muse, like all these other guys all playing him, like potentially he's a guy that you could see get cut and, you know, try and get relegated back to the practice squad. I, again, I'm with Josh. I don't think that it's going to happen. I think that there's a good chance that, you know, he'll stick and then he might be a game day inactive. He continues to sit in the system a little bit longer, but I think the instincts as well as coverage like in order to be a linebacker that can adequately see the field he needs to show those things and show development on those things going into year two versus his rookie season and if he doesn't that's when you can kind of be like okay he may be on thin ice potentially i think i think too you know if there is a a 
veteran linebacker that the Steelers have had their eyes on that becomes available, whether it's after, you know, final cuts or, you know, like a, a Joe Schobert type trade, all bets are off with Mark Robinson. And in, in my opinion, I mean, this isn't a guy that I would sit here today and say, he's a stone cold lock for the roster. I mean, again, we're talking about a seventh round pick who has less than 70 career snaps on defense and special teams in the NFL. This isn't a guy that they invested heavily in and, you know, he's going to get the four years to figure it out. Like it's a seventh round pick. They took a flyer on him. They certainly liked him. You know, Brian Flores kind of pounded the table for him and Flores is now out the door. I, I, I can't see it happening this year, but again, if there is a guy that becomes available uh, at the end of training camp ahead of week one and the Steelers go to get him, it wouldn't shock me if Mark Robinson's that guy that loses a spot. Here's the thing that, that, that kind of threw me off a little bit. Look, I, I understand the Tanner Muse addition uh, and all like that because, I mean, that, 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 that guy's got some athleticism, can play on special teams, and break glass in case of emergency, you can throw him out there on the defensive side of football. Obviously, we hope we don't never see him on the defensive side of football. This team obviously went out and got uh, Holcomb and, and, and Landon Robertson, and those are going to be your pro- two, two primary guys there. I guess kind of what threw me off a little bit is, you know, really, what what was you know other than him being cheap and 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 you know also being a, a decent special teams player for his age what was the reason to go out and get Nick Kwiatkowski you know uh, other yeah. than just you know other than just fortifying your depth in case of injuries and all like that which which I mean once again yeah sign me up for as many guys you want to bring on bring in on veteran veteran benefit contracts and and that might be all it is because quite honestly it could end up being an either or an or uh between Muse or 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 Kwiatkowski whichever one uh shows enough on defense uh and and obviously be able to be that core special teams player but then again we just had the conversation the other day about what what are the Steelers top needs in the 2024 draft and I think if you asked any Steelers fan listening to this right now uh you know, give me, give me three positions. The Steelers need to draft early in the 2024 draft inside linebacker is probably going to be one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got Holcomb on a three-year deal. You're hoping he's going to play more than one year. Uh, assuming that happens, uh, assuming Holcomb is the guy you thought he is, could be uh, right out of the shoot in 2023. Let's say a Landon Roberts just ends up being a, another one of the, you know, a, a one and done uh there and you go out and draft a uh, another guy next year you know where where does mark robinson fit in all that it's a great question uh, your your concerns and, and questions are valid here i mean honestly he's i, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a mac in this steelers defense i don't think he has the uh the chops to be that that three down linebacker so i think he's kind of pigeonholed into that buck role and I mean, if they're going out to draft a linebacker next year, it's probably going to be in the first or second round. I would be stunned if it's past that, that they invest in the position. They might dip into free agency again as well. Um, so Mark Robinson, I mean, it's a cloudy picture for him. And, you know, and I think Terrell Austin's comments earlier in the offseason certainly raised some eyebrows of, well, we think, we, we hope he can compete uh, for a starting job in 2024. Uh, I mean, I, the hope was he might be able to push a guy like Roberts, you know, at some point this season, but 
I, I'm not sure what's going on there. I know he's got a lot of developing to do, but uh, I, I think that it's a it's a murky future outlook for Robinson, to say the least. And and, and maybe he can, pr- you know, maybe he can push Roberts, you know, right, and, right, and, and, you know, and maybe he can. But my whole thing when it comes to Mark Robinson, uh, I'm not down on. People are going to take this, oh, Dave. Dave's down on Mark Robinson, a seventh round draft pick. You know, no, I I haven't seen enough of him to form a good enough opinion on him overall. Alex, on the other hand, Alex feels like you know he has, and and Alex really uh, thinks Mark Robinson can take it to the next level. And I think Alex might you know has said you know was 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 really wanted to, you know we all wanted to find out really the context of what what Austin said. And we did kind of get that clarified that he was, he was thinking that not this year, maybe next year, you know, and, and that kind of threw me uh, uh, for a loop a little bit. And once again, look, there might be a, there might, that might've been said just for, for to fire Mark Robinson up a little bit more, you know, Uh, 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 just to kind of make him kind of question whether or not his roster spot was safe or something along those lines. Uh, My, my thought on, you know, circling this back to training camp and, and, and the preseason is I can't wait to see Mark Robinson because I want to see more snaps out of him. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't think you're alone there. I, you know, I think Jonathan was pretty high on him last last training camp. And, um, you know, certainly that stretch to close the year, there were some flashes. There were also some some black eyes, in a sense, on some plays where where he was very clearly taken advantage of. But uh yeah, he's a guy. I mean, that 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 has to be Aaron Curry's kind of pet project early on, in my opinion. All right, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jonathan, mop it no, up. I would agree. I would agree. Um, with Mark Robinson, it's just yeah, the draft capital behind him. They didn't invest much into him. Uh, he's kind of limited in what he can be, like Josh said, in terms of that buck. Uh, he can come out like I think he made like an interception or something on Kenny Pickett and everyone's raving about it on Twitter when it happened during OTAs or something like that. But he's got to come out. He's got to really show out in training camp. He's got to show out in the preseason. He's kind of kind of to be that camp darling per se again. And that's where I think he can play himself maybe into a niche role. I don't know if he'll ever be a full time starter, whether it be at the buck position or not. But I think that based off of everything that is going, you know, maybe against him as well as the potential to bring in like people of a higher draft status or a more high pedigree free agent. He really has to be able to, you know, dot his I's and cross his T's and make sure that he makes a big impact and a big impression here this year in Pittsburgh before potentially getting buried down the depth chart. Look, I hope he makes it hard on him this summer and, 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 and pushes, you know, a Landon Roberts for that other spot. And then, obviously goes on and has a great 2023 season because the byproduct of that would, would obviously put less onus on, uh, you know, spending one of your first three draft picks in 2024 on, on the position. So, uh, it, there'd be nothing better than for them to have, uh, I kind of a Vince Williams part two, if you will, late round draft pick that, that people kind of view, uh, as, as, as a throwaway that ends up, you know, being a guy that ends up starting and, and, and being a, uh, a key cog in your defense for seven, eight seasons or whatnot. So, uh, but I, my whole contention is I want to see uh, more of him this summer here. And that's the guy that I'll have my eye, eye on. Okay. 45 minutes in, we're going to spend the next 45 minutes talking about Madden ratings. 
Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Kendrick uh, Green having a 71 is ridiculous. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I think you're the only one that plays that game, uh, uh, Josh. Uh, yeah, yeah, and my time is running short. Uh, and I, I wonder how many people about went off the road when I said we're going to spend the next 45 <laughs> minutes talking about uh, Madden ratings. But I, uh, I, I, I know I'm with you guys at this point. I'm, I'm tired about. Uh, list. I'm tired of Madden ratings. I'm tired of uh, Will Steeler's trade for uh, player X and and all like that. Uh, all 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 of the the typical usual off season uh, stuff at this point is kind of run its course. We still have uh, the uh, NFL top 100. I guess is going to get fired up here pretty soon at the start of camp, but at least camp will be underway and all like that. May. You know, soon we can actually start talking about football again, uh, starting in of next week there. So, uh, all right. Uh, that's, that's enough. I think for this show, I think we got what an hour and 15 uh, minutes out of this one overall, uh, guys, I appreciate, uh, you sitting in for Alex cause we're on two shows this week. Uh, once again, we will have both of you back on probably with several other guys as well too, right ahead of the, uh, uh, 2023 season starting to talk about, you know, kind of expectations for this team, uh, where they're going and all like that. Uh, Jonathan, uh, your Twitter handle is, uh, by what is it? By, by John Carney, uh, no, Josh Carney, right? By Josh Carney. Yeah. By Josh Carney. Yep. And Jonathan, yours is J underscore Heights, H-E-I-T-S. My browser just crashed on me, so I don't have it open right now. Uh, but I believe it's J underscore H-E-I-T-S, correct? Correct. That is correct. All right. Uh, guys, once again, I appreciate you sitting in for uh, Alex this week on two shows here, and you'll be on back on uh, here in the near future again. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Cedars Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, CedarsDepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigation bar. Alex will be getting his training camp reports underway uh, next week. So uh, look forward to that. Also going to have those nightly podcast uh, uh, training camp wrap up episodes starting uh, late next week as well, too. So an exciting time of year. And as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex and tonight, Josh Carney and Jonathan Hightrader.